0: Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, my name's Kevin McDonald, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. This episode is a takeover with progressive co-founders Rob Moore and Mark Homer. Rob Moore and Mark Homer co-founded Progressive Property in the 2000s and have gone on to build a multi-million pound property portfolio. They own, co-own and manage hundreds of properties in the Peterborough area and Mark Homer is the UK's leading property investment expert. So in this episode, you're going to learn how you can perfectly invest £10,000. So let's get straight into the episode. See you next week. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with my business partner, Mark Homer. And this is part two in our ongoing Monday 7 p.m. series of how to invest. How to invest 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000, 250,000, 500,000, a million. And then the finale, how to invest or start investing with little or no money. Mark, do you realize we we've been um, we've known each other for more than 15 years now?
1: 2005.
0: Yeah, right, right at the end. Yeah. 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 And it's 2000 nearly 21. 20. Yeah. 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 Progressive will be 14 years old in January. Mm. Started in 07, didn't we? When I yeah. got us fired at the end of end 06. We started, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah we incorporated, yeah. I think, January 07. So, yeah. So, look, you've been investing. You've been investing since a teenager, haven't you?
1: I have. I've been investing since my sort of early teens, something like that, uh, buying all sorts of stuff and putting money away initially under a load of pebbles and stones outside and running (laughs) a little bank. My grandma used to leave money. (laughs) I quite enjoyed that. Nice.
0: Right. So on this particular episode, uh, we're going to discuss um, some guidelines, some guidance on how to best invest £10,000. Of course, you should do your own diligence and research. We're telling you our experience always do your own backup research. So um, £10,000, Mark, I know it's not a huge amount of money. Um, would you use that to invest in something passive or would you use that to start a business or might you use that to start building your property business with deal packaging or rent to rent or what?
1: Well, I think this is down to the individual, how much time they want to put in and how quickly they want to grow it. I mean, clearly, you know, any small amount of money like this the quickest way to grow it the biggest returns are going to be when you combine that money with your own sort of effort and you know blood sweat and tears and you you sort of crack on to 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 create something yourself in terms of a business Mm -hmm. um you know for for me that might be rent to rent that might be selling deals um but it could also be investing with somebody else um so that is clearly a, a more time intensive strategy Um, i've got lots of stuff which would work for somebody who doesn't want to put a lot of time in and just wants to put some money where, uh, away and, and leave it so it just depends on the individual really
0: yeah all right we'll, we'll cover both off um so let's start with if you've got 10 grand and just want to put it away so would you do isa stocks watches cars Anything else? Where would you go with that?
1: Um, I think the the you know I'm bound to say the the most reliable is pr- and sensible is probably to open your ISA and as we've discussed before, go and put it into um, tracker funds. You know the a, 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 a sort of portfolio of tracker funds that that goes into FTSE, goes into um, sort of overseas, um, and then maybe the US market spread. Um, If you want something a little bit more interesting, something that you can sort of touch, feel and enjoy, I'd go and buy a classic car. Um, And I think my favorite at this sort of price point would be a Mercedes-Benz SL. Uh, I met a a good friend on Friday evening and he reminded me that um, two, three years ago, we went to a hill climb. Uh, and this guy knows a lot about cars. Um, he restores old Ferraris. Um, he he inspected the last two or three cars that we bought. He's yeah. fastidious. And that's um, one word
0: for it. Yeah, I <laughs> think you use other <laughs> words. <don't you? laughs>
1: yeah, but I enjoy it. Yeah, I, he he went through the Ferrari when we we we, we had a bit of trouble it. with it. Yeah, yeah. He, he found everything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and we we were um we we were out. Uh, going, we went to a hill climb. We flew in in the helicopter and took a taxi, and we saw this Mercedes-Benz R129, uh, which is an SL, um, and uh, it was an SL500. And he's gone and bought uh, an SL320, and he spent 10 grand on it. Mm. Uh, Now, he's got quite a few classics, uh, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, And I just think, you know, the Pagoda, which is the sort of 1960s 230, 250, or 280 SL, um, if you go a little bit earlier, uh, and you know you, you're talking about a 300 SL, obviously they're a million million euros now, um, gone up hugely. Um, if you go back to a 190 SL, which would be slightly before the pagoda, um, you know they're they're into 150 grand now. So all of that stuff is a lot lot more money, yeah. um, and I just think that. Those are 129s. They're still quite cheap. Even, even sort of slightly before that, you know, you, if you were looking at the sort of Bobby Ewing with the, 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 the flat face alloy wheels, there, um, you know, a nice one might be 30 or 40 grand. These are still cheap and they're completely solid. When you slam the door, that they, they, they really thud. And, and I just feel like they're going to go up. Mm. Um, I always like the stuff that isn't necessarily loved at the moment because i always feel like there's more room to yeah. appreciate yeah um a bit like houses yeah everyone goes oh london you know everyone will always wants stuff in london it'll never go down well it has the last few yeah. years and that's yeah. that's what happens when you buy the best premium. Yeah, uh, when you buy premium um usually um you know it, it, it um it has a long way to drop. Yeah. so yeah i like those the other thing um, that I was talking to him about, uh, and it reminded me of um, my experience, was uh, BMW M3 E46, which I had one. You probably remember it was a grey one. It was yeah, convertible. They're... they're ten grand. I racing
0: you in my three fifty three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, they were almost neck and
0: neck, weren't they? Those they were, two. Yeah, Your yeah. M3 just had it, didn't
1: it? It was three hundred and forty-four brake horsepower, something like that. 10 grand now or 15 maybe for a nice one. It's
0: a lot of of car for that money. Yeah,
1: I sold mine for 15 in 2008 Mm -hmm. um, and they're about sort of 10, 15 now. Yeah. Um, I think they've probably started going up, Mm. Um, so I think that's got to be a good car. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, Um, we'll come back to this in a minute. I just want to let everyone know who's watching live on either my LinkedIn or your Facebook page. Um, to subscribe to the Progressive Property YouTube channel, which is tiny.cc forward slash PPTV or capitals. Harry, could you type mm-hmm. in that in the comments? So tiny.cc forward slash, no, tiny.cc, yeah, forward slash, mm-hmm. lowercase, and then PPTV, capitals, there you go, just like that. Um, because we've, we said last week we wouldn't be streaming this anywhere else except the Progressive Property YouTube channel, um, although we've slipped out to a couple of uh, smaller channels of ours. But next week, 100%, this will only be exclusively streamed live on the Progressive Property channel. I can see as well we've got comments and questions coming in. We will take questions towards the end. Like David has said, does it have to be 10 grand? What about if it's 100 quid? Um, and someone and you have to start somewhere. And someone else has said, if you had 40 grand, what would you do with it right now? So we'll probably address those a bit later on in the show. Um, so look, we'll come on to watches, stocks, property, business, etc. cetera. I want to add a couple of things. Um. I, Mark, as you know, you know me better than anyone, really. um, I I like to enjoy my money. And and what you taught me was investing back in the day. But I've always found hardcore investing a bit boring. But what I don't find boring is investing something that I enjoy getting pleasure out of as well. Like I love watches. I love cars. um, I love property. I love business. And so I get that dual effect where I'm investing and either reducing um, depreciation or I'm getting appreciation. But it's something that I enjoy as well. Do you think it's important in the investment vehicles that you're in to have a bit of a passion for it? Do you think you'll be a better investor because of it? I think you
1: definitely will be a better investor if you love what it is you're investing in. But, you know, you've, you've sort of got to love it up to a point. Um, and it depends where you are on your investment journey. In the early days, I used to try and do whatever just made me the most money because I didn't have any money. And so those early compounding returns the difference between something good and something really good made a huge difference to um, how wealthy i thought i'd be coming you know later on in life so um, you know i'd focus on that now example you know what i was just talking about that mercedes-benz i probably would buy one but i might be persuaded just to buy well i'd probably need to be persuaded not to buy a pagoda to ATSL because I love it. Mm. Um, and actually my expectation with that is it, it it probably won't go up, but I just feel like it's probably not going to da- go down very much. Mm. So actually my the pendulum has, has sh- shifted a lot to me for me to getting things that, you know, putting some money into things that don't really depreciate yeah. um, rather than don't go up that much because... You know, I've got other income streams that are set up. So it's so individual, you know, to to where you are in in your thing. But I know you love watches and it's made you, you know, your knowledge, you know, more than anyone I know about uh, watches and specifically investment watches. And I'd say 80 percent of that is because you love those watches, which I guess you're uh, you're about to. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: I'll I'll come to that in a minute. But I want to just explore these points a bit more um, because. I always used to think investing was about getting the best return, and sometimes it is. But it's also sometimes about protecting your capital, isn't it? Mm. So if you could, for example, do you know we bought that four hundred and thirty Ferrari, Ferrari yeah, four hundred and thirty yeah. Spider, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not not the best investment, but well, but capital wise, we didn't lose much money, and you still wouldn't. And and uh, no, no. And, I mean, and, I think that cost. Uh, I think we. Bought it for sixty-seven, and half sold it for sixty-five. Something yeah, like that?
1: I, th- I think we maybe we lost about ten, eight, eight grand on it, something like that. Maybe sixty-eight. We gave him. We sold it for about sixty, uh, which I thought was brilliant. He was an absolute nail. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we was, picked the highest mileage Ferrari yeah, ever, yeah. didn't we? Well, I and drove using, it every day. <laughs> I was using my old mentality, basically yeah. get the cheapest damn one, and it's not not always a bad way to be. Um, but I mean, even uh,
0: if it, I mean, I, I remember it being a bit less than eight grand. But let's say it was eight grand, and let's say the maintenance was—I don't know—five grand a year. It was probably a bit less for us because we did it on the cheap. But that's a cheap Ferrari, isn't
1: it? Well, it was for a four hundred yeah, yeah. and thirty Spyder.
0: Yeah, that is cheap ownership. I—I
1: um, I mean, that the, it, I think even cheaper ownership was the car we got after that. I still four five eight. The four five eight, because yeah. all right, it was a time when. You know, sort of. We got lucky with the timing. The timing, yeah. They they really seemed to firm for longer. But you know, if we'd kept that car, we still wouldn't really have lost much more money. Mm. Um, I think we gave one sixty seven for that. I think we sold it for high, almost one fifty, mm. uh, and we kept it something like three years. Um, the servicing was practically free yeah. because it was under a seven year service plan, and it was all under warranty.
0: Mm. Um, which is, I, which is good when you and I on cars.
1: <laughs> well, the, the thing the thing ended up costing I don't know ten fifteen grand some interest you know on uh, some 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 finance which was offset
0: mm.
1: uh, fuel and insurance yeah uh, apart from sort of one interlude. But, <laughs> <and> then, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah you can research the world's most expensive crashes website and you can find our Ferrari on there sorry about that Mark. Um, But, yeah, so obviously, if you've got 10 grand and you're unemotional and you want a hardcore return, then obviously we've given you some tips and we'll give you more because we're going to do at least half an hour on this live. But sometimes it's good to just preserve the capital. So I'm going to give you another example. And I'm not recommending this as an investment, but I love hi-fi. I love um, like high-end audio. And what I try and do, and again, I learned this from you back in the day, um, probably 15 years ago, is I'll, I'll buy a pair of speakers, but I'll wait till they're at the lowest point of their um, depreciation curve. And that can be three, five years old, but they're still the latest model. So you get the latest model. So I bought a pair of PMC Fact 12 speakers and I paid seven grand for those and they were 10 new. And then they went up to 12 and I sold them for eight. So I basically got paid a thousand pounds to have a really nice pair of speakers for they're free, though. For, aren't exactly. They? I had a free yeah. pair of speakers. Yeah my record player I that was the, the, like 25 grand record player that i paid what eight grand for got my money back on it so i had a free record player so i, I know that you like to preserve capital at all costs don't mm. you so do you have that mentality with clothes maybe buying them in the sale and do you try and buy most things when the depreciation someone else has lost the depreciation yeah i mean it, it, you know clothes you know Gemma
1: just gets those for me because i'm i'm terrible at buying clothes anyway And if I'm buying clothes, you know, a pair of jeans is thirty quid or twenty quid. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it's better she just buys them, and I don't then get caught too caught up about the price. And it's probably not a good use of my time. Um, So I stay away from all that, and they won't look good anyway if I'm involved. Um, So 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 I'll, I'll sort of put my mind to buying everything else. So I'm buying a watch. I'll only really buy something that. You you tell me um, should you know not depreciate or go up? I just expect it's not going to depreciate. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that's... those nautiluses went wild, didn't they?
0: It yeah. Even worse went, now yeah. we sold them. But be, be, yeah. best, best not discussed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah, if any of your mates are watching, they'll uh, be gloating, won't oh oh they? God, <laughs> I think
1: I gave what did I, I gave 15 and a half One you found for me. It was a Patek uh, fifty seven eleven nautilus. Um, and um, I sold it at nineteen and a half because I thought it had gone up a lot, and then now fifty five
0: thousand. Or the chronograph one I had is now yeah. ninety thousand, and I sold that for thirty six. Yeah.
1: But hey, look, wise always two three year old plus or contract higher, where the depreciation is sort of dealt with in the in the monthly cost. Um, everything that I you know house. Um, you know, we, we bought sort of something that needed refurbing and obviously, you know, the money we then spend on Gemma wanting X flooring or X wallpaper or X paint on the walls or this new kitchen, it, all it's doing is putting, adding value to the property rather than sort of taking something good out and, and putting it back again. Mm. Um, I, everything I do would be like that really. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I even buy Macs now, which have a good residual value. I'd probably spend a bit more on them. Um, I used to think, get a PC, it's 500 quid. I can have three PCs for the price of a Mac. Um, but I find i probably use a Mac for five or six years. And at the end, it's probably still worth maybe a quarter, a third of its value. Yeah. Uh, whereas the PC, I find you're formatting it after a year, 18 months, and it's not really working anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, e- e- everything. That um, you know, I'll I'll look at or I'll sort of introduce into my life. I try and buy non-depreciative yeah.
0: stuff. Yeah. Or at the bottom of the For, depreciation yeah. curve. Por-
1: Porsches. I, yeah. I just the nine eleven and the Boxster. Um, I think it's partly because of how they control the supply, um, but I think also. And someone said this to me the other day, and it makes absolute sense. They never. It, they never look that. They're timeless, yeah. so they never look that they never old. Never go out of date. No, yeah. I've got outside. I've got a seven-year-old nine eleven, and it sits on the drive. And Gemma often looks and she goes, "That just looks like a new car." Yeah. And I think that really protects. Yeah. You know, when you've when you've got sort of the newer thing, and it it looks a lot lot newer, and you're making yours look a lot older, that that drives depreciation yeah. more than anything, I think. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. You know, I like them for a load of other reasons, but they just they work yeah. for so many angles for me, which I love. I love all that. Mm. Yeah.
0: All right. Great. So um, we've been doing some research. Now, remember, do your own diligence. So when it comes to specific mentions of things, do your own diligence. But um, there's quite a lot of cars sub 10 grand. So you've you called out the E46 M3 and Porsche 924 at five to 10 grand um this is interesting so Peugeot 205 GTI remember the um Renault 5 turbos all cars like yeah. that a lot of them seem to have they're big money yeah, yeah gone up you've got the um the e34 m5 yeah um I remember that yeah did you have that one no
1: I didn't um but um yeah, straight six, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And that BMW straight six is just awesome. Sounds
0: that, good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. non-turbocharged, yeah. brilliant. We've got Volkswagen Golf and mac 1 GTI is about 10 grand. Ford Capri 2.8i Special, 10 grand. Now, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen to these in the future, but what do you when you look at investments, Mark, Do you um, track the prices over time to see some kind of trajectory or history? Yeah, so with cars,
1: you can have a look. Um, There's a few sort of um, websites that you could use. There are always like auction sales going through uh, for cars. Uh, I'll just have a quick look on my phone um, for the name of it. I often use this sort of aggregator. Uh, It's called... I'll just get it up. Uh, GlenMarch.com. You can see all of oh, the... Got the F40. That'll yeah. be the one i be trying to
0: get you to buy next. <laughs> <laughs> I love the F40.
1: So, so it searches all the auction houses for, for stuff that's sold of, of the car type that you're interested in. Uh, and the other thing I use quite a lot is Haggerty Valuation Tool. Um, that shows you on a graph where the value has gone for the last few years. Yeah. And I quite like how many left as well, which yeah. shows you how many of that car model there is in existence, right. which I think drives its value as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, if you want something a bit more simple, like Mark said, put um, you can put your money into your ISA each year. We use Hargreaves Lansdown. Is Vanguard does that do the same thing? Vanguard does the same thing. Where so um, you can essentially invest yourself without an IFA. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, they're the two that I would use. I, I don't. I mean, there are others, and I, I think the cheapest is probably Vanguard. Um, but you know, I've used both of those platforms. I use them. I think they're really good. Um, I just choose tracker portfolios. The, the the whole sort of argument for active managers is probably not so strong anymore. If you just want trackers, Vanguard's probably the easiest actually because yeah. it, it's got
0: them all laid out in a really simple way. Okay. Watches then. So I said when we did the series one, how to invest five grand, you should probably wait till you get a Rolex Daytona. And actually I got quite a lot of comments from people. One guy saying you should never advise anyone to invest 20 grand into one watch. And I did mention things like Swatch Jellyfish. And um, I I probably gave you other other couple of um, watches under five grand. The problem is you look at a watch, you think, oh, that's under five grand. I'll get it. Let's say it's four grand. But in a year it's worth two so i'd rather you wait build up the capital and get a 15 or 20 grand watch that in 10 years is 30 grand or hasn't gone down than just buying one cheaper just to get in but it go halved in value so straight after that um live we did last week how to invest five grand someone messaged me saying oh should i invest in tudor watches because tudor are made by rolex but I've never seen any of the Tudors go up, 99.9% of them go down. Sometimes occasionally people will cite me a particular model that might have done well, that would be a very rare exclusive. So fundamentals when it comes to watches, which is probably similar to cars and other classes like this is rarity. So I'm wearing here an Odomar Piguet Biblos uh, and they made 50 of these. So out of all the Royal Oak Offshores, this one is either done the best or one of the best, unless it's like a really old one, or it's just held firm when things aren't good because of the limited run. So in any watch manufacturer that's probably well known, if you got, if they made 50 or 100 or 200, it's, I mean, if it's a big volume producer like Rolex or Amiga, you know, you might get away with a thousand run, but um, try and go for the really limited edition models. Um, Cause at least then, you may not make, but you'll lose the least amount. But I got someone to do some research for me just because I thought this would be interesting because I didn't think I'd agree with it. So someone's done some research for me and put yeah, Hublot Classic Fusion Black Magic Chronograph. Now, that is a watch you can get for under 10 grand, in my opinion, will be worth half within a year. So don't go anywhere near Hublot um, just because I haven't ever seen any of them go up. Um, I'd probably stick to Rolex on anything sub... 15, 20 grand. Um, then you can get a sports Rolex um, around about 10, 15 grand. You can get these GMTs. They have the Pepsi, the Batman. And a lot of people are telling me, oh, Pepsi's, Batman's, all of these, they're going up like crazy. Yeah, but they don't normally go up. So whilst they're strong now because um, production of Rolex is probably less than supply, uh, sorry, less than um, demand because obviously Rolex is a, a massive brand. Um, They've been banging their prices up to keep up, I think, looking at it from the outside with the Royal Oak from Audemars Piguet, et cetera. Um, But the only Rolex that's not a limited edition or a special run, the only Rolex I've seen consistently do well over time, unless it's really old, really old, like some of the really old Explorer ones uh, worth really good money, um, is the the Rolex Daytona. So I would probably say wait and get yourself a Rolex Daytona. Get what I like the, um, I forget the model number because it's a six, it's 116 something, 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 It's like six digits. It's the steel um, one. But yeah, yeah, the steel one. I, I like kind of 2005 age, around about that age, because they they don't look the same as the ceramic ceramic bezel now. Um, but if you put 2005 Rolex Daytona, I think it's 116550, but I'd, I'd have to check check out the model number you can private message me if you're looking to buy a daytona and i'll um I'll, one six five two oh um is yeah no no yes one one six five two oh there you go one one six five two oh that's the um that's the aph so that's um got us the thing with rolex that happens a lot is they'll make these runs and then there'll be a little error in the printing, you know, or like so there's an APH, which has got a slight gap between um, on the chronograph near the APH. Um, so when you get these little quirks, like um, usually um, all the, le- the lettering is white and you've got double red where there's um, the lettering is in red for the sea dweller instead of white. So these little, qu- these little quirks and isms and these models or faces that are rare um that you know or they were not necessarily rare at the time but they become rare later because they didn't make that much of a production of them they can generally do quite well did you did you have the kermit yeah green bezel yeah. yeah so the green bezel i i um, bought i bought more than one of those i bought quite a few of those and i got mark to get one um and uh that was the 40th anniversary of the submariner i think it, it, it was an anniversary anyway um, so they made it in a green bezel and back then there was quite a rarity to get that kind of color in a bezel of course the hulk's all green now um and when i i thought an anniversary rolex they're probably not going to continue to make them so i started buying them three two fifty three five three seven fifty four grand five grand uh and i um didn't get 12 15 plus now for an early model one so anniversaries limited editions um or smaller runs if they're in the sports. Ah, so 50th anniversary, Matt, said, for the, for the Kermit. Um, but, but I don't know if it was um, back then it was 40th. Anyway, 40th, 50th. So um, that's what I'd probably do with watches. I'd probably wait for the Daytona or get in on one of the sports ones, but try and get an anniversary or a, a watch that they don't make anymore. Right, so let's talk now about property and business, and then we'll do a bit of a quick q and um, I'm eager I'd stay away from them. Mass producer. Uh, unless you get a really low limited run or a really old one. Um, So 10 grand. Um, Would you put that into growing a a business like a training business like we have? Would you put that into build a property deal packaging business? Um, Would you try and get on the property ladder with that? What might you do with that?
1: I would put it into a business um if you've if you've got the time and inclination a business which you really love and therefore you're going to be really good at so if that means you love going out and doing deals and buying property I'd do that if it means you want to go out and sort of um um hire staff um you know and 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 sort of start a training company I would do that marketing money yeah I I I think First and foremost, if you're going to put your time in and you're going to build a business, you're going to multiply that, if you're successful, up many, many times more than any of these investments and make a lot more income from it. As long as you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, you're totally committed, you're passionate, and you enjoy it. Yeah. Of course, that's going to be the, the, the highest. I mean, we started this business on how much? 300,
0: 300 quid each. Yeah. So I put it on a credit card because back then I didn't even have the cash. Because um, actually, we started a deal packaging business before the training business, didn't we?
1: We did. Well, yeah. it was a it was a hands free portfolio business mm. uh, where we sourced properties, refurbished them, remortgaged them, and we did over five hundred of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Re- refurbished individually over five hundred properties and then sourced them cheap, refurbished them, and then remortgaged them all. Yeah. and it was a tough business. Yeah, yeah. But, but it was, got us going. It, it got us going, and we we, we manage really. a lot of those properties today. Mm. Yeah. So,
0: so 10 grand doesn't sound like a lot, but actually to start a business, it's not too bad because you don't, I mean, I wouldn't recommend going and getting an office. We, we started from my house, didn't we? Um, Your front room, Rob. Yeah, and we, uh, we got a couple of second-hand computers. Yeah. We yeah. got um, a bit of Ikea furniture. We put 300 quid in a bank. So you probably started Progressive Property on a grand. Mm.
1: 300 quid. Yeah, each. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then, and then we went to Ikea, remember, and we got the furniture? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the computers. Yeah. But the, the point is, it's not a lot of money to start a business. Everyone thinks, oh, you need money to make money, or there's no such thing as no money down, or all this kind of stuff. But in reality, 1,000 quid, and even if you haven't got that, you can put it on a credit card. And do you remember I started running our Google Ads campaigns? Yes. Sitting on the com- computer geeking out. And what I'd do is I'd spend £10 a day, yeah. and then I'd get an ad working, and then basically could spend... £20 a day. And then when we get leads and convert them, we can put money back in and £50 a day. And now we spend, you might want to shut your ears here, Mark, you might not like this one. We spend very regularly a quarter of a million pounds a month on marketing on all of our ad campaigns. Um, So yeah, I'm with Mark in that I'd set the business up that you're passionate about. You could definitely set up a property deal sourcing business. You could probably get your hands on two to four rent to rents depending or or service accommodation rent to service accommodation properties depending on your area and how much it's going to cost you to dress them and you know all the um all the things that you need to set up that business and stock um because you need linen and and bedding and all that kind of stuff Um, we've had a question here from victoria and that is to start on the property journey would you recommend using equity from your home
1: It can be a very good way to start, uh, dependent on sort of, you know, what you're going to put the money into. Is it going to generate a good return? What your experience level is? How much other cash you've got? Um, What loan to value your property is at the moment? Um, If you're going to go out out and buy something that's been really well researched, uh, you're getting it for the right price, the rental yield is really good, and it's definitely lettable to good tenants, uh, good private tenants, then um you know why not use money from your um, own home um because it's incredibly cheap you're probably be paying one and a half two percent on it
0: you know um not that i have a big mortgage because i don't have a big mortgage um but uh about what two years ago i was paying down quite big lumps on my mortgage. just so i get my mortgage paid off in two or three years job done and you kind of told me off about like, why are you paying your mortgage down um and why back then did you think my capital could be used better than paying my mortgage down?
1: Well, I just think when you're borrowing at one and a half to 2% and there's, you know, on your own home and there's, you know, you, you you still want to invest your cash and put your cash into, I don't know, buildings, um, you know, or, or other investments, you can very easily get a much higher return than mm. one and a half, 2%, Yeah, uh, which is obviously, what you've you've gone off and done. Mm. Um,
0: Most people don't know this about my story as well, but um, I actually only owned one property when I met Mark and we started Progressive Property. Um, But I actually uh, remortgaged that and that helped me pay down some of my debt and have a bit of capital to get started. So as long as you do something wise with the money that you um, remortgage and you remember, if you go on interest only, that one day, you will actually have to pay that back because you're not paying it down because it's interest only. As long as you remember those two things, then it can be very smart and it can get you much can get you much further ahead more quickly on your property investment journey. Um, right. So we've had a comment here from I think this is Gerardo. Um, forgive me if I pronounce that wrong. Let's have a look here. Um, I think it's Gerardo. Leverage and inflation are the tools that make property such a good investment. That's very true. Now, we haven't talked too much about property specifically in this episode because next week, next Monday, 7 p.m., put it in your diary and remember it's exclusively on the Progressive Property YouTube channel, which is tiny.cc forward slash PPTV, all in capitals. Harry, can you put that up on the screen? Um, put it, comment it, but put it on the screen as well, tiny.cc forward slash PPTV if you're watching from somewhere else. Um, but with 25 grand, you're probably nearly at deposit territory there. And you're probably nearly at actually being able to put some hardcore capital into hardcore property, which is one of our favorite subjects. So I agree, leverage and inflation are the tools that make property such a good investment, which is you don't get really um, the power of that in um, other investment classes. So we'll probably start dealing with that as a, uh, episode three and onwards. All right. So if you've got any other questions, um, keep them firing in uh, and we'll happily answer them all. So Jane here has said, I've just been made redundant due to COVID-19 as a creative services specialist, currently freelancing. But since 2006, I've renovated eight properties. I have savings. But how can I invest in property without a permanent salary? I think you would
1: probably want to find somebody who has got a permanent salary uh, and maybe be investing with them in the meantime until you have got a permanent salary or an income from a business or something like that, that will keep the banks happy. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think you're probably coming into a really good time where there's gonna be deals um, and you wanna keep it rolling, but you probably just need somebody um, who the banks are happy with uh, if you can't get a mortgage on your own at the moment.
0: Um, we have a um, Facebook group, a big one, Progressive Property Community with 33,000 members in, and we have some progressive approved brokers in there. So that if you just search Progressive Property Community on Facebook and join that, um, it's always wise to get a second or third opinion from a second or third broker. Um, Not all brokers are whole of market, even though they may say they are. And um, I mean, I know a mortgage broker uh, called Gary Das, and he says it's like they're changing their terms every week. It's It's a very changing market at the moment. So it's always wise to get a second or third opinion. I mean, Obviously, they're not doing self-cert now, but they've done self-cert before, haven't they? Back yeah. In the day, uh, so? And Boris says he's going to be reducing uh,
1: uh, or increasing loan-to-values for for, for 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 certain purchases. Boris, come uh, on, yeah. <laughs> um, I probably not for investors. Look, it, it's changing a lot, but I think if you went went to enough brokers and went to enough banks, you may also find that you can just carry on on your own. Um, we had to. We've had to do it various times. And um, I've just lost my relationship manager at the bank that we use. I haven't met the new one yet. Don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, I remember when we went through the last credit crunch and they all said to us that we got too many buy-to-let mortgages and they don't want to lend to us anymore. So I had to go and find commercial borrowing. You can always find stuff. It's just how hard you look.
0: Thanks, Mark. So uh, Lucas has asked, where would you start today with 70 to 80 grand? Well, next week, so every Monday, 7 p.m., we're doing this as a series. Next week is 25 grand, how to invest 25 grand. The week after, how to invest 50 grand. The week after that, how to invest 100 grand. So Lucas, looks like um, episode four and five are going to be good for you because that sits right in the middle. This is a good question from Ross. If you could put this one up, Harry, Ross Hill. What defines the line mark between investing and gambling?
1: Um, I think uh, when you're investing, you are doing so with a sort of predictable outcome. Uh, I think anybody that invests with Uh, the expectation or the need to have immediate capital growth is gambling on that. Um, I think over the medium to long term, say five, 10 years plus, you would be um, sort of you you would be right to expect that you'll get some good capital growth. uh, But to say that it's going to happen in any sort of year or two or three year time frame um, would be uh, quite frankly um, naive um however when you're investing in a house it's quite easy to predict the income that that will generate um and i think that is investing um you know going out and and you know buying certain assets i don't know i suppose any capital asset and gambling on um its um capital growth over a short period of time um would be gambling um, But, you know, anything that's got good proven history over the long term it
0: is not. Um, so I think there are a lot of traders that think they're investors. But yeah. I look at them and I think really you're a gambler.
1: Traders on the on the stock exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And Forex. Yeah, yeah I think for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of that is gambling. You've got to be doing that yeah. for a very long time to know what you're doing. You? Or, or be... Some, you know, w- w- one of the few people, you know, that, that usually emanate from the city of London, often with a maths or physics degree, mm. who've learned to trade at a big bank. You know, yeah. those guys can do it and most other people can't.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. So, Victoria, uh, Victoria Ray has asked, how would you invest £10,000 for a 15 year old, if you want to put that up on the screen, Harry? So, we got a question like this last week, but it was for five grand. So, I think the most important thing is, um what would this 15 year old really enjoy doing um there's a a little lad called ryan who has ryan toys review on youtube which has i think it did something like 24 million dollars last year and he sort of unboxes toys and um you can imma- you know you can imagine him absolutely loving that um and i've got to tell you this mark i was going to whatsapp you this is random it's just completely random sorry but um, my wife said to me today that Bobby is being a bit naughty with his homework because what he's doing is he's phoning up his best mate Pranav, he's getting him on FaceTime and he's saying to his mummy that he's doing the homework but he's just getting Pranav to give him all the answers. Mm. And I actually thought that, that, that behaviour should be rewarded. Yeah. I mean, he, that's, that is smart, that is leveraged. It's, it's not going to be good for school but surely that's going to be good for life. It could be, <laughs> although it's it's maybe you know sort of taking the easy option. Yeah, it, well that's of course could yeah. be construed as cheating. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So ten year, uh, fifteen year old, ten thousand um, pounds. E-commerce. I think anything online. I mean, a fifteen year old doesn't remember the days of dial-up or pre-internet. I think most fifteen year olds can use the internet better than most forty year olds. So anything e-commerce or online based right now, e-commerce is huge, probably one of the biggest uh, injuries, um, industries. Um, I think also maybe social media. Um, Now, of course, 15 year old, you're probably just about at the right age where you can completely manage your own account without your parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, But hey, look, there's a lot of um, big teenage influencers on TikTok, for example, are probably making a load of money out of sponsorships and endorsements and collaborations. Um, But ultimately, um, what that child or that teenager would love to do the most. Um, Your, you've started. Have you started a, a junior ISA for
1: Freddie? I have. I did it um, shortly after he was born. I put about four thousand into a junior ISA, uh, and he can't get it out till he's eighteen. Uh, unfortunately, I think it just cracks open and he gets the money immediately, <laughs> which I don't think, in hindsight, is a very good idea. My friend's done uh, a pension, a SIP for his very young children and i don't think they can crack that out until they're 55 uh which i thought was quite clever yeah um i think victoria um if i you know when my son gets to 15 um i will probably start well earlier than that i'll be trying to get him into property um but when he gets to sort of i don't know a little bit older than that i'll try and get a house Maybe it will have to go in my name. He he, he could maybe you know I'll, I'll I'll work it out so that he sort of really owns it, has a beneficial interest, deed of trust, or, or something like that. Um, and um, yeah, he can um, he can he can take that. I'll probably put the deposit in, and then I'm going to get him to rent the rooms to other people. Um, he can take the the income from renting the rooms to tenants. He can manage them. Uh, he needs to pay the mortgage. It's going to teach him loads, and then the 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 cash flow he'll get to keep. Um, I think that's a really really good way to get them started in, in property, and uh, will be very very profitable. Um, you know, because obviously they get all the capital growth as well. So I think that 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 offers a lot, and is quite tax efficient when they're eighteen as well, because obviously they get all the personal allowances,
0: and importantly, the the business and life lessons he's going to get renting out a house. Yeah massive um huge okay so um whiskey and wine that's probably in the 10 grand bracket isn't it yeah i think i know I mean, nothing about either of those by the way
1: yeah i know nothing about whiskey i know a little bit about wine um that you could go on fine and rare or there's um i think it's livex where all the, the the values of say i don't know left bank bordeaux and you know all those sort of really good um uh, vineyards um, you know, you, you can see how the value has moved over time. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of the imprimatur stuff is sort of, um, you know, fully priced initially. Um, so you, some of it goes up, some of it doesn't, but you need to be careful about storage. Uh, you need the right sort of refrigeration. If that goes wrong, the wine can go bad. So, um, you know, I, I tried a little bit of it, but I, I was sort of put off by that. The storage really puts me off.
0: Mm. Okay, so Ross has asked this. Would you hold off investing until the market turns around early 2021? Um, And if not, what strategies have you you seen that have been doing well um, during the current circumstances? Okay, so there's a few assumptions here. So, number one, the assumption is that the market will turn early 2021. We don't know that for sure. Um, I wouldn't hold off anything. Like let's say you're in property and you predict, you believe that the market will turn early next year. Well, we're already in October. And by the time you get out and visit agents and get yourself seen and known, it's going to be December. And then they're going to shut for two weeks or whatever. So actually, if you want to be ready to be um, a go-to person for either buying an asset, fairly cheap, whatever it's going to be, or getting a property, you probably need that relationship with the vendor um, or the estate agent. So I'd actually start looking now. I mean, Mark, you never really stop doing research, do you?
1: No, I, I would find times like when the when the market's going to go quiet and going to be falling. Uh, I would I would use that to learn new strategies and and start getting ready to buy distressed assets. Um, that's that's you know what what I would be doing. I'd be out there meeting agents, growing the relationship. Um, it's going to take you more than two or three months to get a load of good agents on the go. Um, So you need to be sort of ready with that and growing that. Um, So, yeah, I definitely get on that wagon
0: now. Great. So I think we've covered most of it. And we normally want to do about 30 minutes in these sessions. And this is 45 minutes. So what we're going to do is tune in same time next week, Monday, 7 p.m. And we're going to do how to invest £25,000. So we're upping the ante here. So there's going to be more options open to you. We're going to be able to talk a little bit more about property.